Welcome to Becoming. This is episode 92, The Atonement is for Teens, with Kristen Walker-Smith. Welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. We are your hosts, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. Welcome, everyone, to Becoming Today. We're so excited. We have our guest, Kristen Walker-Smith, here. She's the director of the nonprofit organization, Ruby Girl, and the host of the One Minute Scripture Study Podcast. Kristen loves the youth and has enjoyed teaching them as an EFY and seminary teacher. Kristen, welcome to Becoming. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to just jump into this topic. You shared this lesson on your podcast directed to parents, and we're kind of switching that and directing it to teens today. And we're going to talk about the atonement of our Savior Jesus Christ and why it's for teenagers. I think this is so powerful. Before we get really started on the lesson, can you give us a quick overview of what the atonement is? Yeah, absolutely. As Christians, we all believe in Jesus Christ, right? That he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, that he suffered for everyone's sins, and that he died on the cross. What that means for us, though, on a regular daily basis is that because Christ felt the pain of those sins and because he paid for those sins, that he is then able to help give us power to overcome things that we couldn't on our own. And he's also able to wash away things that we can't wash away on our own. That's a beautiful explanation, Kristen, of the atonement. And it's something, you're right, it's a daily thing. And I love that you discuss for teenagers why this is so important in their lives and in their personal development from where they are right now. But why should teens be so interested in this topic right now? What are specific areas you think teens should be aware of with the atonement in their lives? That is a great question. And I think it's important that we talk to teenagers more about the atonement because I think sometimes as adults and leaders, we get scared to talk to teenagers about the atonement because we think, oh, they're going to take this as permission to go out and do whatever they want to do, right? But I'm here to say that Jesus never hid his atonement. He never hid his grace and his mercy. I really want to help teenagers know that Christ is there to help them through absolutely anything and no matter how far they feel like they are. And this message is really very specifically for teenagers because there are five specific struggles that we've all had as teenagers. And if you're a teenager, you're having them right now. So everyone goes through this. If you're feeling like you're struggling and you're alone, you're not alone, okay? We all go through the hot messness of <laughs> being a teenager. And there's five things that I think that Satan really tries to capitalize on to make teenagers feel like that's it, they're lost, they need to just give up. And the first problem of, of being a teenager, and I do not mean this in a demeaning way at all, is that teenagers' brains aren't fully developed yet. And that's just a process of growing up. 
it doesn't fully mature until you're in your mid-20s, and that's just part of the brain's development. It's not saying anything negative about you. But as a teenager, like all of your gray matter is in place. Like everything's there, but not everything is actually wired up. It's like you have all of the stuff ready to play on a video game, but you haven't plugged everything in yet. And that's what the brain is like for a teenager. And so you're starting to develop in great ways, but the wiring isn't fully connected. And so that's one of the problems. The second problem is during this time when your brain isn't fully wired, your body decides it is a fantastic time to go through puberty. Right. <laughs> your body's like, woo, let's do this thing. <laughs> and your brain isn't quite ready for it because with puberty comes all of these brand new feelings and urges and your brain, that part of your brain that isn't wired up is the one that controls urges. As the body is going through sudden impulses and changes, your brain isn't ready to control them. And then, especially for teenagers today, oh my gosh, they are in a sexually saturated environment. I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but I think our generation, we didn't have much opportunity <laughs> to, to see pornography or, or, you know, sexting was not a thing. All of these things were, if you wanted to be exposed to pornography or if you wanted to, you know, like do drugs or whatever, those were things that you had to actively go out and look for, whereas teenagers have them being thrown in their laps. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. They're constantly being sent these things that they're not looking for. So mm -hmm. it's absolutely saturated. Right. Yeah. And I love that. They're not looking for it and still it's being put in their lap. So while you're dealing with your brain not being quite ready for what your body's going through, then you're also thrown into this environment where it makes it even harder for you to do what you know you're supposed to be doing because what you're not supposed to be doing is being thrown into your face every single day, you know? And then the next thing would be that at this point, if, if you're a teenager, you are experiencing what we'd call a spiritual awakening. And this is just part of being a teenager where you decide, I want to know who I am. And I don't know if you ladies experience that, but I very strongly remember wanting to figure out for myself, like, do I actually believe what my parents have been teaching me mm -hmm. my whole life? Like, is this really what I want to live? Did you guys have that? Yeah. Wondering if I really felt connected to that. And discovering for myself what I want. Right. That is an awesome thing that's happening is that you're having this spiritual awakening and you're figuring things out for yourself. And then it's not, oh, my parents said I should do this. It becomes, oh, this is part of me and who I am. And I believe this. You internalize those beliefs. And so that makes it even more important to you to live these standards that you have because you're not just doing it for mom or dad. You're doing it for yourself. But you're also finding that you're not able to live up to those standards because again, your brain, your body and society are not letting you. So even as you're internalizing these beliefs and these standards, you're finding, oh my gosh, I keep making goals and I'm hitting a brick wall. I can never ever reach them. And man, does that get frustrating because you're like, is this just who I am? Am I just a failure? And then let's add the fifth one, you guys. Are you getting overwhelmed yet? Does anyone want to throw in the towel? <laughs> Our fifth problem is, is the way that parents and leaders respond is that so many parents and leaders have this like straight arrow plan for you that you're going to get on this path and you're going to stay on this path. And this is what they expect of you. And as a teenager, I remember that my feelings were very sensitive when a parent or a leader would express disappointment in me. And this is one of those big issues for teenagers is that as a teenager, you don't think I am a good person who did a bad thing. 
you think because I did a bad thing, I am a bad person. If you see a parent or a leader showing disappointment in you, that doesn't become, oh man, they're disappointed in what I've done. That becomes, oh, they're disappointed in me. I am a disappointment. So these five things together are really overwhelming for youth. And it makes it so that it almost feels like there's no use in in trying because man, you're just going to keep failing and disappointing people. And that's a hard place to be. Yes. So one of the biggest struggles that I think that teenagers hit is if, if living the gospel of Jesus Christ, if following Jesus makes me feel so bad, then what's the point? Why am I even doing this? If coming to Jesus feels like guilt and shame and just feeling awful about myself, why am I following him? Oh, so, so true. I totally resonate with that statement. And I think I've seen it in so many people that they feel connected to spirituality, to a higher power, to their savior. But it does sometimes bring that guilt and that feeling of I'm not good enough. And should I even try? Maybe I'll avoid it so I don't have to feel this feeling anymore. And that really breaks my heart because, you know, going through this process and coming out on the other side, I'm really realizing that that spirituality and my connection to my Savior is what brings me all the joy, all the joy in the world. And I don't want teens and others to give that up because of that feeling of shame and guilt. And so what are ways that you can help us learn how to navigate that? One of the biggest things, and this is something that I teach anytime I get a chance to, is that there's a huge difference between shame and guilt. And I, I remember it by SNS G and G. Shame comes from Satan, guilt comes from God. Satan will take all of these influences, all of the issues from having your brain not being fully developed and your sexual maturation and the environment that you're in and, and adults maybe looking like they're ashamed of you and you having standards that you can't keep and he'll twist them into shame. And he will say, and this is where the dialogue comes that I am a bad person. Not I did a bad thing, but that I am a bad person. That's a shame statement. And shame is what causes you to want to hide under a rock and never come out. You become a hermit, right? And this is how he pulls you away from God because he'll say things like, oh, well, God couldn't possibly love you. Why would God want to talk to you? Because look at what you've done. Oh my goodness, what a bad child you are. And it's hard though because God sends negative feelings too, but they're negative feelings that lead to action. So Satan's shame leads to inaction and God's guilt leads to action. It leads us to say, oh goodness, yeah, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I better reach out to God for help. And so that's really the struggle there is figuring out which voice you're listening to and how to shun the shame and embrace the guilt, even if the guilt doesn't feel good looking for that movement versus running away. I think that's a really good one to kind of help us kind of picture that and understand that and just sit with that thought and realize that it's going to come. Those feelings are going to come and that's okay. But then just to recognize them and be okay with feeling them. And then what are you going to do with it? So, yeah. And one of the coolest things that as I've studied this and I've, I've looked into the whole guilt and the shame that come with being a teenager is one of those mind-blowing moments where I'm like, ah, a real aha moment was when I recognized that God isn't surprised by the teenage situation at all. Like he didn't create his first teenager and go, oh no, I messed up. You know, like, <laughs> he's not like, oh, oh man, they're having puberty before their brain's ready. Like that doesn't happen with God. You know, yeah. he plans things out. And, and so I think this is so important for teenagers to recognize is that the situation they're in is not a mistake, that it is extremely possible that God planned 
for them to be in the situation on purpose. He planned for them to have those feelings of not being able to reach their own high ideals and of having that godly guilt in their hearts that this is actually part of his plan for their life. And the coolest thing is, is that because God planned this, it means that you're doing the exact right thing as a teenager by messing up. He wants you to mess up. He wants you to go through these struggles because this is the part of his plan where you turn to him. And this is the big deal. This is the big action that teenagers can take is to recognize, oh, wait, God planned this on purpose. He wants me to be feeling this guilt. He wants me to recognize that I can't do this on my own because guess what? I'm just starting to spiritually awaken. I'm just starting to recognize God in my own heart. I'm just starting to desire him. And if I can turn to God right at the beginning of the spiritual awakening, holy smokes, does that set me up for spiritual success for life? If I can recognize at the very beginning of the spiritual journey that I can't make it on my own, that is going to save me so much heartache for the rest of my spiritual journey for my life. That's incredible. I can just imagine how that would totally shift your perspective, your attitude, your positivity as a teenager to understand that and to see that God knew, God knew I was going to mess up. So he gave me the atonement. It's right here for me to use daily and what kind of peace and hope that brings Mm -hmm. to me. Oh, I can only imagine if you started this process as a teenager, understanding that, how that's going to shape how you live your life. Yep. Kristen, you shared a scripture that I felt so connected to, and I think our teens need to hear it. Would you mind uh, sharing what you talked about on your podcast? It was in 2 Corinthians. Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone wants to follow along, I highly suggest marking this one because this is, this is a lifesaver scripture. So this is in 2 Corinthians 12, and this is uh, verses 9 and 10. And this is actually Paul talking about his personal frustrations with his weaknesses. He recognizes that he has a huge weakness. It's holding him back in life. And I think teenagers can relate to that, right? If you're a teenager, you recognize how weak you are and how you can't be all you want to be on your own. And so this is what Paul says here, though. He says, and he said unto me, talking about the Lord talking to him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then we go back to Paul talking. He says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And that is probably the biggest life lesson I've learned over many years is that when we get to our lowest point, that is when Christ's strength is able to be so perfectly manifested in our lives. When we recognize our absolute weakness and that we can't make it on our own, that is when we become so powerful because then Christ is able to do his work in us when we're not trying to do it on our own and we recognize our need for him. Chills. Chills. Oh, I love it. And I think not focusing on that weakness, but yet looking at the divine potential that God sees in us, that kind of shifts my perspective right there. Me being able to look like, yes, I am weak in these areas, but that is what the atonement is there to fulfill and change in me. And then it just helps me recognize that my spirituality, the potential I have is really limitless. I am all about hope. And when I look at that, it just changes everything. And rather than looking at the downside, like I will never be who I need to be. I will never be good enough. Yeah, we can't by ourselves, but that's the beautiful gift of the atonement and seeking to just every day, just 
try a little harder, try to be a little better. Yep. Absolutely. I love that you shared that Christ loves effort. It's not about the perfection. That effort is what he's looking for. And that's what we should congratulate ourselves for and keep looking at that as good. That's something that kind of helps motivate me is finding something to be proud of when you do make mistakes, being like, well, where's the good in that? I don't know. Well, it's the effort that you tried and that you want to do better. So that was one of my favorite takeaways. People love success stories, right? That's what we're all looking for is the before and the after. But what God loves is everything that happens in the middle. That's what he's focused on. He's not focused on our after. That's going to come. You know, the after will eventually come and he's not worried about the timing. Time doesn't really matter to him. But what he, he cares about is the effort we give in the middle. And I totally believe that. I would highly recommend for parents and any leaders to go and listen to your podcast episodes. We'll link them in the show notes. But if you could give like one takeaway for parents or leaders to help teens understanding these important things, what would your biggest lesson be for the parents listening? I think the greatest thing that we can do is to be the kind of people who show mercy. That our expectations aren't so high that when they're not met, that we are totally disappointed and, oh man, you know, this is the end of everything. But we need to, I love the word sucker. The The scriptures talk about how Christ is ready to sucker us. And I'm spelling that S-U-C-C-O-R. And that word sucker literally means to run to. And I love that visual of the Savior running to me. When I need help, he's not like, oh, okay, you come here. He is running to me and he is running right now to absolutely anyone who needs help. And we need to be that kind of parent and leader who runs to a teen who needs help, who goes to a teen and says, let me help you instead of saying something like, oh, well, now you've learned your lesson. No, we need to be suckering parents. We need to be suckering leaders, those who run to the teens that need help. Do you have any advice for a teen that doesn't feel like they really have that support in, in a parent or in a leader? That's a huge question. And I've actually come to points in my life where I felt like I didn't have anyone. And that wasn't even necessarily because people really weren't there for me. I've always had a, a network of people I could turn to, but for personal reasons, I didn't feel like I could approach anyone. And that is the great thing about God is that God's a person. God's a person, and and just like a person, you can develop a relationship with him. The three of us have become friends in a matter of minutes, right? Like we're BFFs now. And I think that we think that God is so far away that we can't do that with him. But he's a person. And so just like anyone else, you can develop a relationship with him. He can be known to you and you can be known to him. And so even if everyone else on this earth has let you down or you feel like there is absolutely no one who understands you, there is a perfect person waiting to be understood and to understand you so, so fully and so completely that we can't even realize it. So I guess that's my biggest advice is that recognize that God wants to be known by you. Beautifully said. And I know that's possible for everyone. I really do. I've had it in my own life. There's a movie I love and she refers to God as Papa and it's so intimate. And I've been able to understand that relationship being more than this higher being that's waiting for me to mess up. That's not what he's doing. 
he is our friend. He wants to support us and love us and help us through these hard times. But we need to be willing to go to him and not to think we need to be perfect before we go to him. He is waiting at that door no matter what it looks like behind it. And I think the sooner we understand that, the better it will be, the quicker we can become closer to him. Can I just say, I love that statement that he's waiting at that door knocking no matter what it looks behind it. I've never heard that before. And that's so powerful. Yeah. He doesn't care if it's a mess. It, it, right. actually, I actually think he wants to come in more when it's messy. Right. To come and help us clean it up. He wants to meet us wherever we are at, at that moment. That's beautiful. One of the great examples, I think, of God's mercy and his willingness to work with us, even in the middle of our mess, I love how you talked about that we can be messy with Jesus, right? Like he doesn't mind our mess, is this parable of the spotter. And I can't take credit for this. This was in an article and I can give you guys the reference for that. But Jesus taught in parables, so let's do that too. Uh, The parable of the spotter is this whole idea of how God and Jesus Christ support us as we're getting stronger. So if you have lifted weights, you know that the goal is to lift the hardest weights that you can, right? You're trying to lift more than you really can. And so to safely do that, you need a spotter, someone who will be there to catch the weight if it happens to drop on you. And Christ is like that spotter in our lives where he's there to help us, not by lifting the weight for us. We would never get stronger if we asked our spotter to lift the weights for us. So he's there standing next to us though, while we're lifting the weight. So as you go through life, say maybe the weight that you're lifting is you have an addiction to pornography that you're trying to get over and you are trying and trying and trying to lift that weight. And you get to a point where you cannot lift it anymore. That's the point when Christ is going to step in and he is going to lift that weight and help you to put it back on the bar. But even when he is not actually physically lifting the weight, he is there cheering you on. My goodness, is he cheering you on? He is not looking at his phone. I don't think Jesus has a phone, but if he had a phone, he wouldn't be looking at it. He's not looking at the clock wondering when this is going to be done. He is 100% focused on you. He is cheering you on and he's also showing you how strong you can be. That's one of the best things about having someone to help you in the gym, right? Is motivation and someone to show you this is where you can get. And that's what Jesus does for us is he shows us this is eventually where you're going to get to. It's going to take a long time. We're working on this one little weight right now, and then we'll move on to another one and then another one. And he gives us motivation for, I can get there eventually. I might not be there now, but with his help, I'm going to get there. The message of Christ is hope. And I hope that that's felt today by somebody. And I think that that's so beautiful. And I so appreciate your ability to express this information. I think it's So powerful. So thank you so much for these beautiful words you've shared today. We're going to finish up with our final question that we ask all of our guests. If you could give your teen self one piece of advice, what would that advice be? All right. And and I have permission for it not to be related, right? (laughs) Okay. So this one is actually more for any girls that are listening. But the advice I wish that I had received as a young girl is that your body is an instrument, not an ornament. And that comes from the ladies over at Beauty Redefined. And that advice is simply that God gave you a body to be used to do magnificent things, not simply to be looked at by other people. And I wish I could go back and let myself know that that focus for my body, if I could just keep that focus on all the amazing things that my body can do and all the ways my body can be used to bless others, man, that would have changed a whole lot of years of my life. 
Beautiful, Kristen. I love that. I love that so much. Well, you have this gorgeous countenance about you. You've been so fun to talk to today and so full of wisdom and love. So thank you for sharing and spending your time with us today. Well, I am so grateful that we're all best friends now. I feel like I've just been looking at your faces this whole time. and I'm like, oh, I love them so much. Like you guys are doing good things and you're just awesome people. So thanks for letting me be part of this. I'm so grateful. Where can our listeners find you if they want to learn more from you? Uh, so I do most of my teaching now on rubygirl.org, um, but also I don't know when this is being published, but if there are any moms or leaders who are listening, there is a summit coming up called the Latter-day Heroes Summit, and they can hear more from me and from other um, amazing women on that as well at www.latterdayheroesummit.com. Wonderful. Awesome. We'll put those links all in the episode. Such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you, ladies. Promptly Journals has amazing journaling options for teens and teen parents. From journals directed to teens, gratitude journals, and parent-child connection journals, you're bound to find a journal that is going to be perfect for your teen. I just bought a few of my own journals, and not only are they beautifully made, but I loved the prompts so much, we knew we needed to share them with you. To view available journal options, click on the link in our bio and use the code BECOMING to get 10% off.